Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, remember, again, what we talked about last week. If we were to break down uh, this psalm, Psalm 37, we really discovered four points to ponder in these 40 verses. If you're taking note, let me give them to you again. David is going to give you and I four encouraging assurances that God is still in control and that he watches out for us. Four. And you go, what were they again? Well, number one, jot this down. You can trust. Well, the Lord can be trusted. The Lord can be trusted. David is going to talk about that. And I think David is pretty credible uh, for trusting the Lord. Even when he was out on the run, even when he was um, a fugitive, even when he was, um, I mean, death was imminent, the Lord can be trusted. The second thing we're going to learn that we talked about last week is the Lord understands your situation. And so many times, um, that's really, that's one of those things where you go, God, do you really understand? Do you understand what I'm going through? Do you really? And that's the whole purpose of the Lord Jesus becoming a man, because he understands what you're going through. He knows your situation. I mean, I mean, think about, think about this. Some of us in this room have been deeply hurt because we've been betrayed by one of our best friends. Whether it's a, whether it was a sister or a friend or whatever it might be, but, but the Lord understands because one of his, one of his best friends, Judas, uh, betrayed him in front of everyone with a holy kiss. And, and can you imagine that, that fateful night when, when he comes walking with the soldiers and, uh, he just he was just with him in the upper room. And the Lord knew, and even though it was part of God's plan, obviously playing out in front of the disciples, that still hurt the Lord. So He knows the situation that we're in. He knows this. The third thing we're going to look about is how the Lord blesses His people. How the Lord blesses His people. And then the fourth that we'll see is the Lord judges the wicked. Now, last week, if you weren't here, we covered the first two. So let's chat uh, for a moment on these assurances. If you recall, David had a dilemma about what to do when the bad guys win. When the bad guys win. And just like Asaph, both Asaph and David asked the same question. I believe that a lot of people aren't even asking today. You go, what's that? They're asking the question, how can the wicked prosper? How can the wicked prosper? How can those who give no regard to God, who, who don't acknowledge him at all, how are they prospering? They're making more money than us. They have better life, better houses, better cars, better vacations. And you and I, here's what we're doing. We're scrolling through Facebook and we're looking at all of these people post about their vacations and you know what our response is? Oh, well, I went to Walmart today. You know, that's kind of how we are. I got to go to Walmart and, and it's, and it's frustrating because you're like, I wouldn't want to be on a beach right now enjoying the weather and the waves. I don't understand, Lord. I don't understand. Why are the wicked prospering? I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't get it. Or, 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 or better yet, we talked about why does it seem like bad people with no regard for God seem to have a better life than those of us who serve God? Who serve God? Now we forward to 2022, and the reality is, is there are people in the world and people in our workplace that seem to prosper more than us. Many of them, in the workplace, will they take God's name in vain? Many of them question his character. Who is this God? Many of them suppress the truth of the Bible and they get bonuses. And they get raises. And they get company cars and win trips. You name it. 
And we take a step back and go, wait a minute, I'm doing the same amount of work. I'm kind of doing the same thing. And we who are devoted followers of Christ sit back in frustration, wondering, why do, they, why do the bad guys win? Shouldn't we get more and do more? After all, we are Christ's followers. You see, this was the plight of Asaph. This is what he struggled with. And in Psalm 73, I'm going to read it again because I like the way he says this. Now, here's what I want you to see. What Asaph writes is really, really relevant to us because his faith was almost stumbled. He was almost stumbled in his faith to turn from God. You go, well, let's read it. Yeah, let's read it, guys. Psalm 73, you don't have to turn there if you're not fast enough, but if it is, it's a little bit to the right from where you are, but I'll, I'll put it up on the screen. Look at verse 1. Asaph writes, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. Can we relate to that or not? There have been times when we're going, I almost lost, I almost lost my faith. He says, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Now, once again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, you may have a new King James, but think about it. He says, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness. Why are they pro, listen, I, this almost stumbled me. Why? Why? If we were to interview Asaph right now, we would say, Asaph, what was the problem? He goes, listen, I'm seeing a bunch of wicked people and they seem to, well, their lives seem to be painless lives. They seem to be having everything. Like you and I, we worry about bills. How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to make the mortgage? How are we going to, we got insurance. We got dental insurance. We got this. We got that. And we're worried about that. Those people don't worry about that. If we were to ask Asaph, he might say something like this. Oh, four, four, four fifty nine a gallon, no big deal. And for you and I, we're like, are you kidding me? That's just enough gas for me to get from one pump to the other, and then I run out again. I mean, that's all I got. It's all the money I got. And, and they seem like, like, listen, the wicked people who are millionaires, they're not tripping about gas prices. And that's what Asaph is saying. He's saying, they, look, look, look. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. This is what he says. He says, they wear pride like a jeweled necklace, clothe themselves with cruelty, these fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. And they scoff and they speak evil. And in their pride, they seek to crush others. Can you imagine? Asaph, how are you doing today? Not good. Not good, man. The people at my job, you know what? My boss, the CEO of the company, all I hear him do is curse God's name all the time. He, he you know, and, and man, he's, he drives, he's, he's picked up in a limousine and, and, and this is what he's saying. He goes, listen, he's, he works out at the gym two times a day and, and he's, I mean, massages and blah, 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 blah. He goes, now again, think about this. Asaph is seeing the wicked prosper and he almost loses his faith. Are you guys tracking with me on that? He almost loses his faith. And I think about that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever seen somebody go and you're like, I don't understand, God. I'm serving you. I'm paying tithe. I'm giving even above and beyond my tithe. I'm, uh, you know, and, and, and I can barely make the ends meet. And the people who are cursing you, they're rich. And here's our question. I don't understand, God. I don't understand. I don't understand. But at the end of this psalm, church, listen to me. This was Asaph's final conclusion. Look at verse 27 and 28. He says, those who desert him will perish. 
for you destroy those who abandon you. Now here he goes. But as for me, how good is it to be near to God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Your attention, please. The bad guys can stumble our faith if we let it. Asaph caught himself and said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to check my heart. I need to look at this. Oh, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've got to put on my faith-colored glasses and see who God really is. When he sees things from God's point of view, listen to me, church, his attitude changes. When God, when Asaph sees what's going on in the world through God's point of view, everything changes. And I think that's a great application. That's a great thing for us to take home tonight. You go, what do you mean? Guys, when we start to see life from God's point of view, every our attitude should change. Our attitude should change. And if you're being honest, it's a constant battle. Because you're going, it's not fair. It's not fair. Are you kidding me? No matter what it is. No matter, no matter what it is. But when we start seeing it from God's point of view, then we go, you know what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Reminds me of the old farmer. There was an old farmer who was not saved. And there was a community of farmers that were saved. And the community of farmers who were saved said, listen, here's what we're going to do. On Sundays, we're not going to plow. We're not going to water. We're not going to cultivate. We're going to go to church. We're going to worship God. And this farmer who wasn't saved said, listen, listen to me. I'm not going to do that. You guys are crazy. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to plow on Sunday. I'm going to cultivate on Sunday. I'm going to water on Sunday. I'm going to farm on Sunday. And you know what happened? He prospered. Come October, he had the best crops that anyone could ever have. And he looked at those old farmers and he said, my, 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 look, I don't know about your God, but here it is October, and I've got better crops than you. I've got more money than you. I've got a better harvest than you. And the other men who were God-fearing, devout Christians looked at him and said, oh, my friend, I see that you planted on Sunday and you watered on Sunday, and you cultivated on Sunday, and you plowed on Sunday. But let me tell you this. He said, God doesn't always settle his accounts in October. God doesn't always settle his accounts. Now, what, what that means is, again, think about this. They look like they're prospering. But God doesn't settle that account on that October. There's a time coming. You see, it has to be about attitude. Our attitude should be different. As Bible-believing, born-again Christians, we need to filter everything in our lives through the, the Father. How is he looking at this? What is his purpose in this? How can I grow? This is what I need to do. My job is doing this. How can I grow? My boss is being like this. How can I grow? Now, sometimes when our boss is being ugly, there's a time when we say, okay, I'm out, and God gives us an out, and we quit, and we go on to another job. That's okay. Nobody's, oh, the Lord said I have to stay there. I'm not, then we're not saying that, but there's a time when you go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to see? Back in 1994... I decided to do something that most, well, in our family, most Hispanics in our family don't do. I decided to pick up my family and move all the way from Santa Fe, New Mexico to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I was moving for business. Now, nobody in my family has moved. Nobody, nobody does that. I, I'll do it. So I moved and I'll never forget, I had a great church in Santa Fe, I had great friends, grew up there, all that stuff. The first week I was at Cape Girardeau, Missouri, didn't know anybody, I sat out my window and I cried and I said, oh my gosh, I made the biggest mistake of my life. And I brought my family with me. <laughs> and you go, well, Ben, what was the point? Well, it just so happened that the person behind me I befriended, he was a young kid, his name was Chris, and 
I began to witness to Chris throughout the years. Witness, we'd play basketball, we'd witness, we'd share, I'd witness, I'd witness. And one day, about four years into our time, I was already feeling the the need to go and uh, move back, go somewhere else. I was like, okay, I think my time is here, but I'm not sure. God has not given me my release yet. And and uh, they invited us to a party up to, at his parents' house, and we went up to his parents' house, and we're all sitting around the table, and we were talking, and we we're talking about God, and we're talking about priests, and we're talking about baptism, we're talking all this, and and basically, in a nutshell, the person, the young kid that I had been ministering to and witnessing to and playing basketball and friend, he confessed in front of his parents that you know that he, that he believed, and, and I sat there and I was like. And, it, and, and all that work that I did, it just paid off in one second, and I felt the Lord said, you're done. You're done. It's time to go. And it's just, you, under, you guys understand that, and I'll never forget that, because I, told, I turned to Natalie on the way home, and I said, okay, we're done. I, all the way, he, he confessed the Lord Jesus as his, as his Savior. He, he knows God. He, he's listened to me. He's repented. Uh, my work is done. So you're telling me, Pastor, that you went all the way to Cape Girardeau, Missouri for one person? I did. I didn't know it at the time. But what a great lesson. Why? Well, let me give you another nugget of truth. Cape Girardeau prepared me for Lubbock, Texas. You see, because when we went back, we went back, we got involved, we got trained up, and then it was easy for me to come. I didn't sit there and go, what did I do? I messed up. I came, and, and I remember my pastor at the time said, listen, when you go, he said, you just put your hand to the plow and don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Some of the stuff you're going through now is preparing you for what God wants to do for you in the future. Some of the places you've been were preparation for what you're doing here now. Your job is preparation. Guys, the Lord is going to pour out His Spirit in an amazing way in these last days. He's so good. He's going to do that. We're not just going to sit here and go, I just see evil everywhere. What's going to happen? And, 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 and here's what we'll do. We'll do like these scenes. These scenes said the Lord Jesus is coming back. They went up to the mountains. They all gathered together, sang Kumbaya, and waited for the Lord. And sometimes I feel like doing that. Let's just forget this. Let's just gather together. Let's go up there. Let's just wait. We'll just wait. We'll wait by a nice river where we can fish, and we'll wait by a nice, you know, in the mountains. It'd be great. That'd be wonderful. It'd be great. But God's called us, and he's called every one of you to minister to the people around you. He's called you to minister. It's amazing. And so, again, I mean, think about that. This is what this is. This is what Asaph is, is saying. He's, he's saying, Lord, I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. David understands that because he writes the same thing. Now, remember, David is writing from years of wisdom. Years of wisdom. He's older and wiser. Everybody understand that. He's older and wiser. Why is that important? Because really, that should be the case with us. What do you mean? The older we get in the Lord, the wiser we should become. And we should be full of grace and meekness, and that should be our clothes, if you understand what I'm saying. This is what he's saying. What do you mean? In God's, listen to me, in God's economy, there should be no such thing as grumpy old men. Okay? Because as you get older in the Lord, there should be full of grace and mercy because you've been through it. You've seen a thing or two. And you know what it's like. But when you get a grumpy old man who's mean, anybody know that guy? Grumpy old <laughs> I am not going to tell you what... Mike O'Reilly just did. Totally threw me off my game. There should be grace. 
for those that are struggling. I'm not saying we condone their sin. Oh, well, go ahead, guys, because you need to learn anyway. But I'm saying, oh, a term of endearment, my, my buddy, my friend, my brother, are you okay? I know what you're going through. I've, I've, I've struggled with that myself in my younger days. And, and uh, let's, let's, let's walk together. Listen, if you need somebody, you call me. And we'll meet up for coffee. And, and, and again, find somebody you can trust, but find somebody who's not a grumpy old man or grumpy old woman that's going to be like, rah, 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 but, but ones that it's just like, hey, hey, let me take you to the Word of God. And when I take you to the Word of God, I can share my experiences. This is where David's writing from. This is where, and really, the older you get in the Lord, isn't it just trust the Lord? Isn't that really it? What, what control do you have anyway? What control do we have over life? We try to control as hard. We don't have any control. So, so if you like crazy carnival rides, the best thing I can tell you is buckle that seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Because we don't have any control. And if you've ever been on a big ride, a big roller coaster, the Titan, whatever it might be, I don't get on those things. But if you do, some of you are going, stop! You're yelling stop because you know it's going to be bad. And other people are yelling, woo! I don't know which one you are, but whoever you are, that's really how we should go through the Christian life. doesn't matter. God's in control. Why are you raising your hand? God's in control. He's, he's got me. He's got me. You know what the Bible says? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his offspring begging for bread. That's you. That's you. So why are we so worried at times? I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm right there. Sometimes I'm like... Oh. David says, I'm old. Trust God. Trust God. And that's what we that's what we learned. First 11 verses. Let's read them together, guys. The Lord can be trusted. He says, do not fret because of evildoers. Let me, let me give you a modern translation. I could get in trouble like this, but don't fret with our current administration. Nor be envious of workers of iniquity. Why? For they'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. He says, trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Don't you just love that? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. That verse popped out to me on Sunday afternoon when I was with Joe and Beverly, and he had cake. He had lots of cake. And he didn't want to share his cake. And he hid his cake. You think I'm joking. Don't mess with Joe's cake. Now why is Joe hiding his cake? Because he delights in that. He delights in that. And what David just said is, treat yourself to God. He says, like that piece of cake. Treat yourself to God. This is so cool. Hey, let, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. Maybe in your own mind. When was the last time you just treated yourself to God? Just had a great time with the Lord. A great worship session. You're just, just you and God. Just you and God. I have the hardest time doing that. And I'll tell you why. Because my mind runs 100 miles an hour. Oh, I've got to do this today. I've got to do that today. Oh, what about this? Yeah. Oh, you know, look at that. I could, I could, I could, you, maybe I should stay in it. You know, and the Lord's like, hello. Just me. When was the last time you had a date with God? With the G- what you, last time you had a date with Jesus? Just you and God. Just you and God. You and Jesus. Hey, come on. <laughs> Let's go. Ben, you're being silly. Treat yourself to God. He says, listen, trust the Lord. Treat yourself to God. Commit your ways. Trust in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as light and, and your justice as noonday. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently on him. Do not fret because of those who prosper in his way. Because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, 
Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Why, David? For evildoers shall be cut off. Because those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for for his place, and it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth. And the delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Your attention, please. Let me give you the four things that David said, but I want to say this too. Notice what he says. He says, um, For a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Now, one of the things that you and I think is 2024. Let's not look for 2024, because that's not going to solve our problem. It's when Jesus comes back. It's when it's going to be good. That's when Jesus comes back. Oh, but you don't understand. We got midterms coming up. It's when Jesus comes back. And you and I need to live in the realm of the spiritual, trusting the Lord each and every day. Yeah, Pastor, but I I can't. No, no, no. Listen, it's one listen, one day, one day. Everybody say one day. One day, listen, one day, none of this is going to matter because we're going to be with Jesus. And we're not going to be going, hey, Tony, do you remember back in Earth? Yeah, 2022 was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, do you remember the pandemic? I don't even think we're going to bring it up. We're going to be with the Lord. It's going to be glorious. And the wicked, they're not even going to be. Which reminds me of something else. God has called every one of us in this room to be a witness for him, to share Christ. Can I get an amen? You know we can't do that in heaven. There's no sharing, there's no witnessing in heaven. This is the time to do it. This is your game. This is the game. And so don't miss those opportunities to share. This is your game because in heaven, when we get there, it's glorious. This, that's it. What are the four positives? Well, jot these down. Number one, he says, trust the Lord. Instead of, instead of fret or worry, trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Ben, I have a hard time trusting the Lord. I get it. I do too. But that's when we ask the Lord, Lord, help me to trust you. Show me your faithfulness. Let me feed on your faithfulness. The second thing we do is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. We saw that. Delight yourself, man. Listen, delight should replace worry and envy, which should be a conscious delight in the Lord. Those people bug me. Those who delight in the Lord and don't worry and fret. Because I want to be that person. And I'm like, oh, I want that. And here I am angry and mad and frustrated. And the Lord says, don't, don't. Ben, just delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. Let me ask you, here's what I want you to do. Here's, here, you got some homework, okay? Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Take a moment tonight and, and, and just count it. Lord, you've blessed me with food. Amen. I've got a shower. I've got whatever, what, just, just count. If you've got healthy kids, praise God. If your parents are still, praise the Lord. I mean, just count your blessings. Delight in that. I've got to go on or we'll be here all night. Commit your ways to the Lord, David says. And of course, this is a big one, guys. You ready? Rest in the Lord and wait. Rest in the Lord. How do we rest in the Lord, because we need to see things through Father-filtered glasses. God, how are you do? How are you doing this? How are you doing this? You know the enemy wants to frustrate us. Come on, somebody! Doesn't the enemy want to frustrate us? Instead of walking by faith, the enemy wants to frustrate us. And I like what he says because rest in the Lord speaks of a particular kind of rest. It's the rest of silence, ceasing from words of self-defense. The idea is that we will not speak to vindicate ourselves, but we will trust that God will protect us. That's what he's saying. Well, I'm really upset you didn't get the promotion. 
I don't understand how that person got a raise and you didn't. You've been here longer. You're actually his boss. It's okay. I trust God. Do you? I don't trust him. I'm going to beat my... And what do we do? We go home and say, I can't believe this. My, my job and my boss and he's this. But, but he says rest. And here's why. Look at verses 9 and 11. For evil deals should be cut off. But those who wait on the, on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. In other words, you ready? If you're, if you're uh, writing your Bible, just put we win. <laughs> we win. We win. So, point number two, God knows your situation. Let's read it together. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes them with his teeth. Okay? The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are the upright conduct. The sword shall enter their own heart. Their bow shall be broken. A little of that righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arm of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed of the evil time, but in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall all vanish away. Did you catch that? The Lord laughs at the wicked. And their plight, the Lord laughs at that. And I, and, I, and I love that because the wicked plot against us, but God laughs at him. No, you're not going to hurt my kids. You're not going to hurt my kids. God's power is so strong that he laughs at their, at their little plot against you. Can you imagine for a second the power of the Lord? He defeats his enemies by laughing. <laughs> Go on, tried it. And here's another thing too. Here's another thing. Since Adam and Tiffany are in the front row, they have little Jasper and, of course, Adam. But, but little Jasper, let's just talk little Jasper, okay? Should have named him Hezekiah. Didn't do it. I don't know why. <sighs> Lord, we trust you. Mom and Dad? are not going to let anything happen to little Jasper. Or not. Why? Well, it's because it's my responsibility and I... No, no, no. They love that little boy. They love that little boy. Now, mom might spank him. Dad might spank him and get the look from mom. Nobody's going to touch that little boy. You understand that? That's how we are with our kids. And what I love is that you're God's kids. And I love the fact that nobody's going to touch you. Your enemies might plot and fight and be like, oh, watch. And God's like, that's my kid. Mm -mm. That's my kid. That's my kid. And, and, And that's what he's saying, guys. He sees their day coming. He sees their day coming. Man, listen, think about this. We, we sometimes sit back and we think, I wonder what it would be like to be rich. I'm talking richy, rich, rich. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, more money. And we think about that. But to be honest with you, money doesn't make life better. You still got to worry about it and, and, and just ask the majority of, of lottery winners. You know what? They were, they were super happy. They married their high school sweetheart. They had a great little family. And they win the lottery. And next thing you know, they're getting divorced. And, uh, and they're in ruin and they spend it all. They spend it all. So now we move into our text for tonight. The Lord blesses his people. Let's look at verse 21. He says, The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. 
Did you notice one thing before I read on? Did you notice it? You can almost see where Solomon gets his words of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Why? Because this is, when we go through Proverbs, it's almost like that. It's like a, it's like a proverb. The wicked borrows and doesn't repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. Think about what David's saying. David gave testimony from his own experience. He noted that God cared for those who trusted in the Lord and walked in righteousness. They were not forsaken, nor their descendants also blessed. David's testimony, guys, after many years, and he says it, I was once young, and now I'm old. And I wish that time would slow down. You understand that, right? That's how we are. We were all, <laughs> we were all once young. And we look in the mirror and we say, wow, you're looking old. But it's okay because it just gives us a great testimony in walking with the Lord. I thought about that. Because in two years, I'm going to be 57. Thank you, Joe. But I got saved when I was 17. So I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I have counseled people to trust God. And I've watched God come through in amazing ways. I have counseled couples to trust the Lord for their marriage, and I've seen God restore that marriage. I've counseled people to put their faith and trust in God, and I've also seen... Well, it wasn't a victory. But I know that God was doing a work. You see, I've seen the faithfulness of God to his people. That's why I stand up here week after week and declare his faithfulness. And David wanted the younger generation to trust in him, learning from David's wisdom. And that's what we want too. You want the younger generation to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord. But we can't, be a, we can't be a people that say, do as I say, not as I do. We can't be that people. We've got to be a people that says, listen, I'm trusting the Lord, you can trust in the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord, you can trust in the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm walking by faith. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, I understand. God's got it all under control. God's got it all under control. And this is what David's saying. But I think we have a problem with this at times, don't we? Because we've seen or experienced instances where godly men or women or their offspring, they've been in a famine. Or they've, they've had extreme poverty and they were reduced to begging. We've seen stuff. Well, maybe not in our country, but across the world. You're going, yeah. So first, note that the psalm is a wisdom psalm. Very much like a proverb. In the Bible, wisdom literature is oftentimes of general principles that are presented in absolute when they are intended to be understood as general or even overwhelming principles. Not as if they were not any or rare exceptions you go well what do you mean well for example the bible says train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it that's not a promise 
But people will hold on to that and they're crying out to God and in the pasture going, that's a brother I trained and we went to church and they're old and they're not walking with God. And it's like, no, 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 understand. It's, it's, it's a wisdom. Put the word of God in them and trust that they're not going to depart from that. That it's in them. And they might have some folks that 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 run to wander off prodigals. And mama bears, what do we want to do? We want to tell them how it is, but what do we do? We pray and 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 we pray. And we ask for wisdom. Verse 26, he is ever merciful and leads, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake the saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked, guess what, guys? They're going to be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous, what do we do? We speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. Note. None of his steps shall slide. Isn't that true? You go, well, what was the point? Remember, jot this down. The Lord blesses his people. None of your, none of your steps are going to slide. None of your steps are going to slide. Think about this. He says, the righteous shall inherit the land. You're going to dwell forever. The mouth, here we go, guys. The mouth of the righteous speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. What are we saying to people? What are we saying to people? Because the mouth of the right speaks wisdom. Let me share wisdom. I love the fact that the law of God is in his heart, guys, that the word of God is hidden in your heart. And I think this is a strong case that you should memorize scripture. Well, I can't memorize scripture. I I don't have a good memory. You have a good memory. Because if you didn't have a good memory, you would forget your way home all the time. You know where you live. You drive there. You know the streets. But the point is, is that here's the thing. It's just good to have that in your heart. David once said, Thy word I have hidden in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. And it's good to have the word of God in your heart so we don't sin against the Lord. So, so again, think about what he says, that's, so that our steps shall not slide. And you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever stepped in mud, and, it, and, you, and you slipped, and, and oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I mean, seriously. That reminds me the other day when I was at the gym, and I went for a tumble, and I was embarrassed. But thank God everybody was all into themselves and they didn't see me on the floor. It hurt. My pride was a little hurt, more than my leg, but when it comes to the Lord, he says, guys, your steps are, you're not going to slide. You're not going to slide. You're not going to slide. And then he finishes off, guys, with the point number four. He says, the the Lord's going to judge the wicked. Notice what he says in verse 32. The wicked, what do they do? Watches the righteous, and they seek to slay him. Remember we said, remember we said, if you are a fully devoted follower of God, you are going to have enemies. People are not going to like you. But I want everybody to like me. They're not going to like you. They're not. They're going to seek to slay you. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he's judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him 
but he could not be found. See what David writes? David's like, man, I've seen this, just like Asaph, I have seen this first end. And then I looked, and he was gone. He was gone. Considering the remarkable blessings God has appointed to, to us, the righteous, David did not think it meant to that their life would be easy. One danger continually faced was from the wicked who hates the righteous without cause. My wife has always said to me, and I, I found it even more true um, these past couple of weeks, we shouldn't, the problem with life is that if we didn't expect it to be so easy, we, 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 how does she say it? Life wouldn't, life wouldn't be so hard if you didn't expect it to be so easy. And this is what David is saying. David is saying to us, he goes, guys, listen, listen, you're going to be blessed. You're going to inherit the land, but life isn't going to be easy. You're going to see the wicked prosper. And it's going to blow your mind. He said, but one day's coming where he says, all of a sudden I looked and um, they weren't there anymore. They weren't there anymore. And then he says, mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace, but the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Verse 40, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked, save them, because they trust in him. Notice what he says. Mark the blameless men, observe the upright. The righteous men and women of this world get little attention. The culture, our culture, is more interested in the godless and the wicked. You understand that, right? How do I know? Just watch the news. Just watch the news. Those of us who do right or do good or give or whatever it might be, there's little attention. There's little attention. But the wicked? Wow. But then David, what does he do? Well, he counsels us, guys, think about this, to notice the blameless and the upright ones of the world. Why? Because they're the future of that man is peace. Is peace. This is what he's saying. In this whole psalm, he's going, listen, in your job, in your world, in your sphere, in your school, it's going to look like seemingly wicked, awful, ugly people who don't know Jesus are going to seem to be prosper. He says, don't worry about it. First of all, just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. That's the second part. He blesses his people. Filter everything through father-filtered glasses. Okay, God. How? And, and, and here's the thing. You ready? You ready? Here's the thing. If you're struggling with your attitude, you might have the wrong pair of glasses on. You guys know what I'm saying. If you've got a bad attitude, ugly attitude, crazy attitude, whatever it might be, you go, oh, wait a minute. I'm letting the world start to dictate how I'm behaving, and that's not what God has called me to do. I'm a child of the king, and he's got me. He's got me. Yeah, but the house next to me is a $4 million house, and mine is only $150,000. It doesn't matter. You've got a house. You ever hear that saying, the grass is greener on the other side? So is the water bill. So is the water bill. So again, my dad used to tell me years ago, men of great wisdom... He always, he always used to tell me, never believe what you hear and only half of what you see. And I go, Dad, what does that mean? He says, nothing is always as it seems. David said, man, look, yeah, they're prospering, but not for long. Not for long. So what's the goal? 
The goal is for these wicked people, even though they're rich and, and they're prospering, is to introduce them to true riches, which is peace with God. So, as we close, what should we do when bad guys win? Ready? Jot this down. It's profound. Nothing. Put your trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in Him. Get you an extra helping of God. You thought I was going to say cake. Get you an extra helping of God. Commit to loving and serving Jesus wholeheartedly. That's the key. Commit to loving and serving Jesus wholeheartedly. Then you ready? Here's the drum roll, please. What should I do then? Just rest. Just rest. I love the story. I love the story. Not all the story of the woman. You guys can come on up. I love the story of the woman um, who was caught in adultery. Not that she was caught in adultery because I think it was a setup. But they bring her to Jesus. Do you guys remember the story? She was caught in the very act, and they bring her to Jesus. Now, the law said that she was supposed to be stoned to death. But the law also says that both of them were supposed to be stoned to death. So the guy, where is the guy? They just bring the girl. And can you imagine, here we are having church, and Jesus is teaching us, and the brown doors open wide, and here come the religious people of the day, and they're going, Pastor Ben! Here's a woman caught in adultery, the very act. Not that I would be Jesus, but let's just say Jesus was here and he doesn't say a thing. Why? Because remember, resting in God, sometimes he's like, I'm not going to say a thing. And she probably falls at his feet, broken, probably no clothes, because they, they got her from the very act, humiliating her. Can you imagine? And Jesus stoops down and he writes something And he looks at the people and he says, those of you who have no sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And starting from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and they walked away. And he he said something very interesting. He says, woman, where are thy accusers? Where's the people? And she she goes, nowhere, Lord. And the most beautiful thing you could hear, he says, neither do I accuse you. Go your way and sin no more. And what he was saying specifically was, don't do that sin anymore. Repent from that sin. You don't have to do this anymore. But I love the fact that he goes, where where are my accusers? And they were all gone. They were all gone. And that's... that. that <laughs> Where are your accusers? Nowhere, Lord. That's where we can rest. That's where we can rest. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for crawling up in your lap, Lord. We thank you for the Psalm of David. Lord, what should we do when bad guys win? Lord, nothing. What should we do when we get angry at the news? Nothing. What should we do when... Our coworker gets the promotion and we don't, nothing. Father, let us just trust in you. Let us delight in you. Just see things through your eyes, O Heavenly Father. And give us peace and rest. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.